Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Podcast where we break down everything possibly to know about football in Southwest Florida. I, of course, am Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News, here with my compadres, my co-hosts, my best friends in the whole wide world, Dustin D-Train Levy, Alex the Assassin Martin, awesome Amanda Inscore is our producer, along with Andrea O, the Master Melendez. What up, Andrea? We are here to discuss Week 8 as well as preview Week 9. That means we are in the home stretch. It is mid-October. We've got football coming on. We've got basketball starting this week with the NBA. We've got baseball playoffs. It was 67 degrees this morning, so that means fall is creeping into Florida. Gentlemen, Dustin, you especially, how you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. We're getting into the final stretch of the season, and things are exciting. And, uh, you know, the teams that uh, want to win have to win at this point. Alex, how was October treating you so far? Crazy. Just where's, where's the time gone? It feels like, you know, just two, three weeks ago, we were talking about Richard Young going off for 282 yards in week one, and now we're, you know, we're in the final stretch. You know, it's it's crunch time for a lot of these teams, and, you know, we're going to see which teams are for real here in the coming weeks. Yeah, every season seems to go faster and faster. It has been a lot of fun so far, but we have three more weeks of the regular season Two weeks of district play. That means district championships and playoff berths, at least some of them, will be decided in the next 10 days, maybe even some this week. But we'll talk about that when we preview week nine. First, let's get to week eight. There were some big, exciting matchups. I do want to start with you, Mr. Martin. Dunbar survives North Fort Myers 7-3. to Their second straight four-point victory against, I would say, a lesser opponent. Two weeks ago, they survived South in a weird game that was delayed till Saturday morning. Now Dunbar, that talented Tigers offense, manages only seven points. Was this a um, scenario of them playing down to North, or was it North playing up to Dunbar? Of course, anytime those teams butt heads, it's always a slugfest. They are rivals. North always brings its A game against Dunbar. But tell me what you saw from the Tigers. I saw a lot of, you know, moving the football and just not finishing in the red zone. I mean, from the get-go, you can tell what Dwayne Mack was trying to do. He was trying to wear down that Dunbar defense, chew up a ton of clock. And when I say a ton of clock, I'm saying close to three-quarters worth of game action. Dunbar did not control time of possession by any means in this game. Dwayne Mack tried to... You know, just wear down the defense with Bo Somerset, Andre Devine, and, you know, Tanner Helton on occasion doing a quarterback keeper. You know, Dunbar just really struggled in the red zone. They put up yardage. You know, they were in somewhere in the mid-200s. I think they were around 270 to be exact. Um, but they just couldn't finish. You know, there was one stand by North inside the two-yard line. It was fourth and goal. And, you know, Dunbar went with their heavy package, put in uh, Cash Davis, and the North defense turned him away. But um, also, you know, there were two missed field goals by North that, you know, if one of them's made, North would have been in position for a 35-yarder with about 70 seconds left to, to take the lead and potentially win the game because Dunbar's kicking game lacked. But nonetheless, you know, they did a pretty good job at, you know, denying North of any really big plays. I mean, it was yards per play was around 3.6 to 3.8 mm. yards a play. I, I think you've probably seen Dunbar the most of, of either Dustin or I. 
Is there any concern as a, a Tigers fan? I mean, they're going to get to the playoffs here in a couple weeks. They're going to have a home game, but they will have to face probably a very good, you know, a, a South Fort Myers team or a Fort Myers or Charlotte, and then possibly, you know, Naples or Miami Northwestern in the second round. Any concern um, for, for the Tigers fans when it comes to postseason success? I think Thursday night's game was a really good test of how they potentially might fare against Naples. And that might be an unfair comparison on the surface, but you know, Naples was just ground and pound and doing a lot of different things running the football. And there were um, North North broke off a couple big gains, especially a third and 14 on their own two yard line. Uh, Andre Devine ended up breaking off an 18 yard run to stretch that final drive. Um, But I think, you know, only allowing three points to those guys, only allowing, you know, in theory, they only allowed 14 in the South if you take away that safety, you know, late in the game. Um, you know, the Fort Myers game, it, I, I don't know if they just, you know, just flipped the switch and just decided the game was over with about four minutes to go when they allowed two touchdowns in garbage time. But, I mean, if you're a Dunbar fan, I th- I think you got to like what you see. Uh, aside from the quarterback situation, I just I still wonder about the not in, not inconsistency necessarily, but more so, you know, who you're going to put in at this time. Um, you know, the receivers are there, the playmakers are there. It's just a matter of getting that quarterback situation figured out and, um, you know, just going with one guy down the stretch. I do want to mention in your story that you wrote on Friday night, you mentioned Dunbar 6-0 and for the first time in 13 years. When I read that, it took me back, guys. That was my first year as a full-timer at the Naples Daily News, and that was one of the funnest playoff games I've ever covered. Dunbar undefeated. I don't know if they were undefeated – all the way to the playoffs, but they played at Naples High School in the second round. This is 2008. Naples High School, defending state champions. They don't lose at home in the playoffs. Dunbar marched down the field and threw a touchdown pass in the final minute where both the defensive back and the receiver clutched onto the ball, fell out of bounds. All four feet were in bounds. The refs called it incomplete. Erroneously, they uh, admitted after the game, they blew the call. This should have been a touchdown. Naples should have lost. On their home field, Dunbar should have won. Now, of course, after that, they had to go and get uh, thumped by Miami Monsignor Pace, who had a couple defensive players. So that's old old man Adams' trip down memory lane for for this week. Uh, Dustin, let's talk about what was our game of the week, a highly anticipated game. Bishop Vero survives to beat First Baptist 31-19. First Baptist led most of the first half. I think they were tied at halftime. Dustin, you were there. Were you most impressed with uh, First Baptist ability to step up and play pretty well against a bigger team on the road, or were you impressed with Bishop Rowe's comeback, or were you disappointed that Bishop Rowe took ha- a whole half to get going? Just tell me your thoughts on that game. Yeah, it was the the battle for private school supremacy. It was kind of a weird game because uh, the Vikings took a while to get going. They had a really miserable first half. Uh, they did not complete a pass. I think they had one first down. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the lines were... Carving them up, Ty Keller threw a 45-yard touchdown to Olsen Henry, and he was threatening to score another, but he was picked off in the red zone by Austin Red, who had a terrific 95-yard run back uh, to uh, allow the Vikings to go into halftime tied instead of down potentially down two scores. Then in the second half, Carter Smith, he, he started to get going, connecting on passes, a uh, 75-yard pass to Chris Grace, and and they they didn't lose the lead after that one. He finished the game with 253 yards passing, a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown. They, they looked terrific. Their second half adjustments were 
were really nice. And a shout out to the special teams, Deaglin Cameron, when the team was leading 24-13. Uh, he recovered his own onside kick. It was a nice little trick play that they apparently had been trying out, testing out. Coach Richie Rhodes said uh, he did not inform the other coaches that he had called that play, but it worked out. And on, on the same drive, they they punted. It went through the returner's legs, and they got a scoop and score off that to, to win that 31-19. It, it was a really good effort in all three phases by the Vikings. Now tell me your thoughts on Bishop Road because they've been kind of an up-and-down team. They play a very tough schedule, especially for a, a 3A school or 4A school, whichever it is, but they're 4-3 and three right now. They needed this. The past two weeks, they've kind of slipped down the RPI rankings, getting down to number five in their region, which is dangerous. If you're at number seven, you're out. Only the top six earn uh, playoff berths in uh, the, the class that they're in. And they beat First Baptist, who was undefeated. That's huge for your RPI rating, which factors in strength of schedule. Bishop Rowe has another tough team coming in this week in Cardinal Mooney, who is 6-2, and two, and then they only have one other game scheduled. So, Dustin, as you watch Bishop Rowe, does it look like they are you know, hitting their stride? Does it look like they're a team that maybe if, if they do make the playoffs, they can make some noise? What impressed me most about Bishop Rowe was when their players needed to step up. This was senior night. Their, their best players did. Austin Red with the, the huge pick six. Chris Grace with the 75-yard touchdown. Carter Smith is getting better and better. Uh, their, their players, you know, they know when they need to step up, and they did against First Baptist. Alex, let's go back to you up here in Lee County. A milestone victory you got to witness with ease. Fort Myers, 49. Ida Baker, 14. Sammy Sirianni Jr. gets his 150th victory as a head coach. All of them there with the Green Wave. Of course, following his famous father, who also got 150 wins with the Green Wave. Just tell me your thoughts about uh, the night. It looked like a fun little celebration of uh, Coach Sirianni's career. Yeah, it most definitely was. And him and his father are the only two coaches in Lee County to eclipse that 150 number. Ron Hoover at North Fort Myers, the next closest, with 117. But yeah, that was one thing I was really interested to see. Um, after the game, my observation, it really made me wonder going in, the players knew about this entering the game. It really made me wonder if perhaps that kind of kick-started the team because this is the highest point total they've had since that playoff loss to Barron last year, that 54-53 thriller. I asked Sammy about that, and you know he was talking about how his basketball, he, his team's like a basketball team. They play in spurts. They really connected. Uh, Carson Esposito had a pair of 65-yard touchdown passes to Greg Delane and Reese Logan. Um, the run game seemed to have you know found its way. They were somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 rushing yards between you know Madrid Tucker, Raynaud Smith, Ricardo Noel. You know, I can go on and on. But, you know, after the game, I talked to Sammy, and, you know, he described how, you know, how cool of a win this was and, you know, just having his father looking down. Take a listen. Yeah, my mom, my sister, you know, my rest of my family, you know, they went through all these for a year, you know, as a family, you know, watching Dad, you know. I was a water boy. My sister ran it, was in Spirit Club, and and then we, we grew up in it and listened and lived it. And, uh you know, there's so many memories, and knowing uh, knowing my dad's watching down. I mean, you know, he always is looking down over our program. This is his program. I this is Fort Myers. I mean, his what he did for this community, not just Fort Myers High. Uh, you know, I'm just a, a, a you know just so fortunate to be able to be in that family community of 100 plus years, and uh, 
uh, it was a, it was a different day. I didn't even, honest to gosh, when you came out the other day, I really didn't know. I don't. I just keep track of the number on the wall, and you know, and you said, hey, you got a mile. I, I really didn't. I, honestly, I didn't have a clue. I don't keep track of them because it's about those guys, those coaches, and that Fort Myers community, and. Uh, who, who gets to live, 50, you know, live a dream 50 years and not budge, you know, it's, uh, couldn't write the script, so I just feel blessed. And of course, that was Coach Sam Sirianni Jr. Alex Martin, thank you for getting the audio for us. Hey, another game I want to talk to you guys about because it might be a district championship game, de facto, in reverse, whatever you want to say, retroactively, Astero, 42, Cypress Lake, 34, Dustin, what the heck is up with Astero, man? They are piling on points. This is a team, when I saw them in week two, they had like 100 yards of offense. They had maybe 25 players on the sidelines and a loss to Golden Gate. Now I believe they're 4-3. and three. They've won four out of five or three out of four, whatever it is. What's up with Astero? Yeah, I think the question going into this game was, which could we rely on, Astero's offense or Cypress's defense? And it looks like Astero's offense won out. They were trailing in this game. 21-7 and 34-28 at two different points. Uh, but they have players. They have Kendrick Ad- Aganor, uh, Kirk Talley, Jason DeClona, and, of course, uh, the quarterback Matt Wilson. And it, it just seems like when those guys get going, they're just tough to stop. Cypress has been a good defense all, all year, but uh, giving up 42 points, it, it just shows what that Wildcat team is made of. Yeah, Astero, as I said, they, they struggle with numbers this year, and a lot of teams do. They're 5A school, so they're smaller than some of the bigger. We have some 6A, 7A, 8A, but Jason Duclona, Kendrick Agenor are legit D1 athletes. They're very, very good, and in 5A right now, like that, that stands for a lot. They just have the two best players on the field, I think. Also looking at week eight, before we get out of here and take a break, I do want to give a shout out to Community School, who beats uh, Marco Island Academy, so a, a team they're supposed to beat 55 to nothing. I do shout them out because they remain undefeated. First Baptist took its first loss. The RPI ratings for this week have not come out, but I expect CSN to remain ranked number one in that Class 2A region they are in. Gentlemen, anything else you want to shout out about uh, week eight before we get out of here? One thing that maybe might get lost is that Remember, Chris Graves missed three games, right? Yeah. He's already – he ranks third entering this week in receiving yards. Huh, in, in the area. In, in the area. And he's closing in on number two. Uh, Shaden Kadori is only about uh, 19 yards off, and then he's got to catch Joe Miller at Gulf Coast. But that – just crazy to think about, you know, how big of an impact he's had um, for Richie Road and that Vikings team. You know, he had a big touchdown against FBA, and he had, I believe, another blocked field goal. Um, according to the Max Preps website, um, but it's just it's great to see him, you know, back and succeeding, and you know, just crazy to see uh, what what one player can do to impact the team. He's definitely electric. That's why he's going to uh, the U next year. Dustin, any closing thoughts on Week Eight? Uh, let's give it up for Island Coast for getting yes. the win column fourteen twelve against Benita Springs. The defense came through there. Uh, defending against a two-point conversion to prevent that going into overtime. So good to see another team getting a win. I'm glad you mentioned Island Coast because they are in that district, 5A13, that is a little convoluted right now. So that leads us into our next segment. We are going to tell you about the district standings and who can win district championships this week. Come on back on this side of the break. We'll break it all down. Let's go. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on. 
we're back and we are going to break down the district standings because I'm sure uh, you're kind of scratching your head being like, what team is in which district and, you know, who who's in contention? So we're going to sort that all out for you, starting with 6A14 and a huge game for playoff implications this week, South Fort Myers at Naples. Alex, what have you seen from South Fort Myers, which uh, thinks that they could maybe do something here? I've seen a really good team that defends the run really well they held Dunbar for the most part in check somewhere in the neighborhood of four 4.2 yards a carry but on the season you know it's around 3.8 yards a carry and we know Naples loves to run the football um you know this could essentially be you know this is going to be whoever hosts a first round playoff game and perhaps who maybe someone who travels over to Traz Powell to take on Miami Northwestern this game has a lot of significance you know Miami Northwestern still kind of down in the RPI um, they'll get more than likely get a rematch with Miami Central later this year, but um, I I think South you know Nathan Casters kept them in some ball games especially last week with Duncan Smith going out they needed Caster in that East Lee game uh, it was only a ten point game but also you know the secondary Jerry Cooper and Sincere Trice have done a really good job you know defending you know defending the pass and then Jason Landrum you know kind of a a very intriguing story behind the scenes hopefully we get to feature him later on this year. You know, leads the team in tackles, and you know, Kirill Bykov's you know leading the area in sacks. So you know, they got they got guys to hang with Naples. It's just a matter of execution. It always is against Naples. You know, you got to win in all three phases of the game against them. Adam, do you think uh, the Eagles have something to worry about here? I think that South can give them a tough time. The problem is when you play in Naples, you just have to do it for a full. 48 minutes. We saw Laley look pretty good in spurts last week. Of course, they lost 52-9, to which sounds stupid. When the chips are on the line against Naples, they tend to do their best. And, as Dustin mentioned at the top, this game is for the Class 6A District 14 Championship. We have a couple other teams this week in districts that can win a district title um, with wins, but it's not necessarily district games or district title games. This one, South wins their district champs. They host a playoff game. Naples wins their district champs. They win a playoff game. Naples has won 10 straight district championships dating back to 2010. They won 39 straight district games. They're at home. They have to be favored in this. I think it's going to be a really good one. But uh, Naples, they just they, they chop away at you. You know, I mean, Laley had success last week, stopped Naples on its first drive, four and out, and uh, stopped them a couple other times. But Naples is just relentless. So, I think it'll be a good game just based on the fact that South has a pretty good defense. Moving on to 6A13, Dunbar can win the title outright by beating Ida Baker. Ida Baker coming off a pretty uh, pretty big beat down to Fort Myers last week. Uh, Dunbar, obviously, if they, uh, if they remain undefeated, they will completely deserve it. Another game in that district that uh, has huge playoff impl- implications. Charlotte, Fort Myers, Alex, obviously, you saw... The Greenies last week, do you think uh, they will be able to rise to this challenge against Charlotte? Uh, I want to say yes. I think I really do think that last week's game kind of gave this team a little bit of extra motivation and actually, you know, kick-started them. Um, I saw a team that, you know, could actually throw and run the ball at the same time. Um, That's something that, you know, they hadn't been able to do. You know, that a lot of times that they were, you know, a pass-heavy game in intense situations, especially in that South game second game of the year I think you know Fort Myers is going to have to no choice but to defend the run I mean Charlotte's got four guys that are capable of going over 100 yards so I think you know that's going to be a key for them 
and I I think Carson Esposito's got to make good decisions. Um, you could kind of tell early on that he was a little bit a little bit uh, you know maybe had jitters, maybe knowing you know what was at stake after you had talked to him a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, kind of airmailing some throws, throwing some balls with extra heat. But if he tones that down, and you know, I imagine Samuel kind of emphasized that. Um, I think Fort Myers is in good shape on the road. And over in 5A13, Estero obviously had that huge district win last week over Cypress Lake. Uh, they can clinch it this Friday with a win against Island Coast. Island Coast having their first win of the season last week. Adam. What what makes you think this Astero team can can get the job done? Well, it's what I mentioned at the at the last segment. They just have two legit studs. You know, Astero not a big school. Um, they've had their their student body siphoned off when Dunbar opened up to the north, and now when Benita opened up to the south. Obviously, those are about fifteen years apart. But they've got uh, Jason Duclona. They've got Kendrick Aginor, who are just huge big play threats every time. And let's give the Wildcats credit. It's a team we really didn't talk about at all. Uh, in the regular season, or b- before the season started, but this district was wide open. You look at it's 5A13, you've got, what, six teams, Astero, Cypress Lake, Mariner, Bonita Springs, Island Coast, LaBelle. Believe it or not, LaBelle is the only team that's been eliminated from district championship competition. Even Island Coast, if they win this week, they could win the following week. And if Astero loses the following week, then th- you could have a tie scenario. So what we know is Astero, if they win this week, they're champs because they already have wins over Cypress Lake and Mariner, who are two and one in the district. Astero is three and zero, and that would be their first district title in twenty years. Alex wasn't even born then. Alex is sixteen years old, and he was not around back then. Isn't that right, Alex? Maybe not sixteen. You gotta <laughs> gotta add a, a couple numbers to that for well, sure. And and Dustin was probably what in third grade something yeah, something back something then. Something like that. All right, man. So credit to Estero just for getting getting things done. It, it, the crazy thing is, they're also going for their first winning season in nine years. Wow. Lot, that lot, that twenty twelve team that went eight and three was the last team to end up uh, you know with a winning with a winning season. So you know that's also something that I know Estero you know take pride in, and you know they they're in good shape to actually you know achieve that feat and you know, potentially snap a two decades long skid. Um, you know, maybe we're in line for something we had uh, two years ago with Cypress Lake and Lehigh uh, snapping droughts that were 15 and 25 years. So Estero just, I think, needs just one win. So they host Island Coast this week. Island Coast is one and five. The week after that, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. They host Island Coast. The week after that, Friday, October 29th, Estero hosts Bonita Springs, who is two and five. So you got to like the Wildcats' chances in both those games. And then, uh, moving on to 7A12, we have a very enticing matchup. Lehigh, Palmetto Ridge, Richard Young, uh, Jaden Booker. Uh, Alex, what do you like about this matchup, and who do you think uh, is going to come out on top? We'll save the prediction for the pick segment. Yeah, the two leading rushers in the area. Richard Young now has the lead after Jaden Booker's bye week this past week. I'm really enticed to see how, if Lehigh can stay hot on defense. You know, this is a team that has only allowed 20-some-odd point. I think only 20 points in their past four games. Um, you know, they've done a really, really good job at stopping the run. It's 3.78 yards a carry. They're going to need that against... Palmetto Ridge and stopping Booker um, you know it's obviously going to be a tall task to tackle him just like it was for the Buffalo Bills last night against Eric <laughs> Henry sorry about that Adam yeah, thank uh, you. Um, but you know 
both you can you just know both players are going to be inspired by this one um you know two different styles of running you know Richard Young's really built and athletic and Jaden Booker's just a straight up bruiser um kind of similar to Nick Chubb if you ask me uh but you know if the, if Lehigh can stop him on the run I think they're in good shape um you know it's just a matter of you know not making mistakes on offense you know they have to have flawless execution and you know Richard Young's going to look for his fourth 200 yard game this year in the last district, we're going to be getting into 8A12. Uh, well, can, can I interrupt you? I don't want to give absolutely. credit to Palmetto Ridge. Um, it, it's been a disappointing season to them, but last time out, let's not forget, I, I saw them 43-31 to 31 win over Golf Coast, and they really came out of their shell. Jaden Booker, career high and, and season high for this area, and for a while, 325 rushing yards. Absolutely bananas. He carried the ball 31 times. I will say, if Lehigh wins, they are district champions. But this is not necessarily a district championship game because if Palmetto Ridge wins, they still need to beat Riverdale the following week. If Palmetto Ridge wins Friday and Riverdale loses, Palmetto Ridge is district champ. So they can't win the title outright just yet, but Lehigh can. Real quick question on Palmetto yep. Ridge. Could you see them possibly you know, early on calling this game in reverse and maybe maybe staying away from Booker in this one and letting, no. letting Hosea do uh, possibly you know air it out? You know – Maybe if uh, they're stacking the box and keying on um, Jaden Booker, Hosea can take off with his legs. He's not the best passer in the area. I don't think I'm saying anything wild when I say that, but he did rush for 150 yards last week in addition to his brother. But everyone knows where the ball's going. So, um, again, Jaden Booker gets 25 carries a game, and Chris Tokenen, their head coach, is not shy about saying he'll get 30 carries in the big games. And this is a big game, so it's going to be very exciting to see Richard Young versus Jane Booker, and I think Alex might have a little story on that later in the week if you check your uh, NaplesNews.com uh, slash sports. And for context in that district, Riverdale is going to be hosting Northport this week. In 8A12, Gulf Coast is fighting for its playoff life. Uh, Adam, what can you tell me about them? So Gulf Coast has the misfortune of being the largest school in all of Southwest Florida, the only school in Class 8 a. That means they share a district with Venice, who is ranked number one in uh, 8A and has the best RPI rating, and Riverview, who is ranked number eight in the poll and has one of the top RPI ratings. Last week, Golf Ghost went to Venice and lost 56-6. to They turn around and must host Sarasota Riverview. Again, you know, everyone expects Venice and, and Riverview to win that district. Well, Golf Ghost can throw a wrench in it by winning this week and then hoping that Riverview upsets Venice next week, that's the only way that uh, Gulf Coast can win the district title. They would force a tie atop 8A. If not, Gulf Coast probably doesn't have the best RPI to sneak one of those at-large bids. This game is at Gulf Coast, but again, just uh, Riverview, very, very strong. It's going to be tough sledding for the Sharks. So there you go. I hope you learned a little something. I hope you are enticed by these juicy district matchups this week, and we are going to be back with your favorite segment, The Picks, after this. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Let's go! We are back, and it is the final segment of the show, it is picks time. Very weird week last week. There are a couple games where, you know, we thought that teams were for sure going to win. That happened to be 
Uh, that wasn't the case in two of our games last week where we all got wrong. Gateway and Canterbury and ECS and Newman. Yeah. The Sentinels pull off, I mean, what I'd say the unthinkable against, you know, a very stout Newman team. And then, you know, Gateway taking on a very injury-plagued Canterbury team, very short-handed Canterbury team, and losing in overtime after deciding to go for a two-point conversion to win the game. But the standings on the year, um, Dustin and I both went 7-3 and three last week. Dustin leads with a 54-21 and 21 record. I have a 49-26 and 26 record, and Adam Fisher Ooh. has a 44-31 and 31 record. Um, quick thoughts before we get into this. Well, I think I continue to embarrass myself and my family, and I may just uh, leave after this season just because I'm, I am doing so poorly. Ten games behind Dustin, and Dustin is five games up with at least you know, three, four weeks to play. So I got I got to go big this time, guys. I know I say it every week, but I have to make up these ten games on Dustin, which means I must pick opposite of Dustin on all ten of these games. <laughs> yeah, still a few weeks for it to come all crashing down for me, but I'm feeling all right. Uh, I'm hoping you're in a situation and a predicament where um, you're up twenty-eight to three in the third quarter, and um, you know, hopefully, this guy right here makes some sort of a comeback. But I'm not ready to take chances. I'm not that that guy. I'm try to be as accurate as possible for you the listeners to uh you know to make this a accurate pick segment but we'll not uh, me i'm not i'm not not accurate at all apparently (laughs) i'm out here to have fun and entertain (laughs) but uh first off you know the two teams uh you know newman coming off that ecs loss and you had ssca coming off a stunning labelle loss um last monday um you know this is homecoming for the kings dustin can Newman get back on track, or is SFCA going to you know give him a losing streak here? Yeah, like the like you said, these teams are both coming off of shock losses. Uh, Newman to ECS last week, and of course the incredible Labelle comeback against SFCA. I think I'm going to go with Newman here. So let's also mention we spoke about uh, district rankings in in the past segment. They're in Class Two A. There's not district, just region, and all six. Uh, Playoff berths in this region are decided by the RPI rankings. St. John Newman and SFCA are towards the bottom six in that region, so this could be an elimination game. The loser of this one, it's going to be very tough to climb back into the playoffs. Dustin, who did you pick again? I, I wasn't listening. I picked Newman. Oh, good, because I believe in our uh, official newspaper picks, I took SFCA. I think they just have more firepower, and after seeing Newman manage just seven points against ECS, I'm going to take the Kings. It, it's tough to pick this one because... It, I mean, it's hard to debate who had the worst loss here. And that's, right. no, that's no disrespect to LaBelle or, or ECS. It were really bad losses. Um, you know, Newman being able to only muster up seven points. And then, you know, SFCA in complete control of the game for 46 minutes. And then squandering a 28-12 to 12 lead and losing in the closing seconds. But I'm going to take Newman here. I think they can get back on track. Yeah, um, you know, not really confident in this one, but I d- I just think that Newman, you know, I I think that they have played the tougher schedule, and I think their defense will be the key in this one. Um, next up, we got Benita Springs going out to Mariner. Benita Springs loses a heartbreaker on Thursday night against Island Coast. Um, can they rebound? 
I think they can. However, Mariners coming off the, their second win, the biggest one of the season, 27 to nothing. Is that right? Uh, last week, yeah. Of course, it was against LaBelle, who we've talked about. It's not great. Um, I think I'm just going to take Mariner playing at home. Uh, Benita Springs, I was trying to look it up. I can't find it just quick, but they have a handful of just one possession losses. You mentioned heartbreaking. Um, but I'm hoping Dustin takes the Bull Sharks because I'm taking Mariner. I am going to disappoint you. I'm also going to pick Mariner. Like you said, Bonita Springs has had heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss, and uh, that's tough to recover from. And it feels like Mariner is finding their footing. Justin Lewis, he's doing it all, special teams, defense, offense. He's a great player, and I I like the Chardons in this one. I I don't think the heartbreaking losses can continue for these guys. It's It's not the San Diego or the L.A. Chargers from two years ago when they had eight games or eight losses were decided within one score. Um, I'm going to go with Benita here. I think that they can rebound. Maybe that Mariner game against LaBelle was a little bit of an aberration. You put the the two games, uh, the two LaBelle games side by side. Benita Strings put up 44 and allowed nothing. Mariner put up 27 and allowed nothing. I think the offense can finally get back on track. I mean, you know, Rich Dombrowski is going to preach winning the line of scrimmage. He mentioned that that was something that they really got beat in last week against island coast so i'm going to take the bull sharks next up the battle for the west zone as Dwayne mack put it last thursday night it is north fort myers going out to cape coral north coming off that 7-3 loss to dunbar cape coral played charlotte tight in the first half 14-7 game then 35-7 was the final dustin um can cape coral manage the unthinkable in this one or does north have a pretty firm grip i like north and i I like what they showed uh what they're showing with their defense they've improved that unit throughout the season and cape we know that defense is great they had three interceptions of keon jones last week but the offense is what we have questions about and matching up against that north defense i just don't think they have uh what's going to take to win I am also going to take North. Obviously, Cape's a very good team, you know, in terms of tackling. Um, I think they really got worn down by that Charlotte rushing attack last week. And I think, you know, just based off what North did last week, I expect them to do much of the same this week. Run the ball 45, 50 times, wear down the Cape defense, you know, win the game and possibly close out the game somewhere in the third or fourth quarter. Um, Red Knights get the win and perhaps keep their playoff hopes alive, maybe as a 7 or an 8 seed in 6A. Adam? Yep, I have nothing to add. Make it 3. I'm taking the uh, Red Knights. Next up, we got a little bit of a private school matchup in the diocese, perhaps. Uh, Cardinal Mooney coming down to Viking Stadium to take on Bishop Vero. You know, Vero coming off that huge, huge win over FBA. You know, Carter Smith got it going in the second half. Austin Red kind of you know, change the tide of that game with his pick six. Can Vero uh, move to five and three this year, Dustin? I think they can. Uh, this is a rivalry game, but it is one the Vikings have gotten the better of uh, recently in pretty, uh, you know, uh, convincing fashion. So I like the Vikings to beat Cardinal Mooney. Adam? Yeah, Cardinal Mooney, a team we talked about earlier in the year when they hosted First Baptist. And we talked about how they've been traditionally good, usually make the playoffs, but turns out they're not as great as they had been in years past. They lost pretty badly to First Baptist at home with Bishop Rowe just beating First Baptist themselves. I also will take the Vikings. This is a very misleading game on paper. You know, when you see a 6-2 and two record by Mooney, you know, you're thinking, oh, this team's not bad. You know, First Baptist put up 25 points in a loss. 
that six and two record is very, very misleading, and that's you know no, no disrespect to them uh, up at Cardinal Mooney, but one nugget I did find: this team in their wins combined twelve and thirty record against you know the teams that they beat, and you know that's to me that's not really that impressive. It's just it's a win percentage of maybe just under thirty percent. You know, but I got to take Vero here. Um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't after last week. The defense really stood up when they needed to. Maybe that controversial call where Olson Henry got a clearly got a foot down, changed the tide of that game with the pick six coming right after that. But Vero, I think they go to five and three, and um, you know Mooney probably loses this one somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three scores. Uh, next up, we got Laley going. Two Golden Gate, one of those games where you got two talented rushers on both sides. You got Tyler Coleman who's inching up on a thousand yards. Perhaps he may have eclipsed it last week. And then you got Gershom Gurrier, very physical back, and you know had some flashes against Naples. You know one of the tougher games to pick this week. I'll start with you, Adam. Can Laley get back in the win column? And you know both teams are looking to get back in the win column here. Yeah, I know it sounds stupid when a team loses 52-9 to like Laley did last week, but I liked what Laley did against Naples. Uh, Gary Ayer rushed for about 80, 90 yards. He was churning out 10, 15-yard carries, which is really, really tough to do against the Naples defense. And Laley's defense, I think, is, is solid. That's always been their calling card. Their offense only averages 12 points a game. So I think they have the defense to stop Golden Gate's offense. I don't think Golden Gate has the defense to stop Laley's offense. Go- Golden Gate giving up 30 points a game, gave up 49 last week, including 300 yards on the ground to Baron Collier. I think that is uh, it bodes well for Laley. I'm going to take the Trojans. Dustin's going to take Golden Gate. So, Alex, who you got? I am going to take Laley. Uh, you know, they made Naples sweat a little bit, yeah. which, which is nice uh, to, to see, you know, a team fight like that. Yeah, the 52 to 9 might not be the greatest score, but Golden Gate lost 57 to nothing to Naples. So I, I like Laley. The fact that Laley was able to put up points against Naples, I think, was a win in of itself. You know, I, yeah. I think we're starting to see a little some vulnerabilities within the Naples defense. You know, they haven't. I mean, crazy to think or crazy to to talk about how they haven't had a shutout in the past. You know, <laughs> what two weeks? You know, the expectations are high. Ten points uh, surrendered against Atlantic. Nine points surrendered against Laley. It seems like people are possibly cracking the code against them. You know, I think Gurrier is you know, looking for perhaps a revenge game despite running for 90 yards. You know, he's one of those guys who wants to run for 150 to 200 every game. Um, I'm going to take Laley here just on the fact that their defense can has a better chance of getting a stop in the fourth quarter. Next up, we got a pretty much a put-away game for Dunbar. They will host Ida Baker. Who gets this one? Can Baker pull this one off? I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to take Dunbar. I keep expecting at some point Baker is going to, as an underdog, give a team all they can handle because that team is talented. I was thinking maybe it would come last week against Fort Myers. Maybe it'll come this week against Dunbar, but that secondary has looked a little vulnerable this season. And with Anthony Benjamin and TJ Abrams uh, uh, going against you on Dunbar, that's a really tough task. Yeah, I agree. Dunbar just too talented. Although they have struggled the past few weeks to score, I think they'll get it going here against Baker. I'll take Dunbar by by a few touchdowns. Uh, I'm in, I'm in unison with you guys. I just think Dunbar is a more united team. Um, you know, post game last week, Baker apparently I was interviewing Sam Sirianni at the time, and 
the whole Baker team left their locker room wanting to, I guess, get into it or start altercations with Fort Myers. I just think those locker room things, you know, it's just a team that's frustrated, um, you know, only allowing 49 points against Fort Myers. And this is a team that, you know, they, they're a little banged up. You know, they have some issues there, but, you know, I would have expected them to put up more than 14 against that greeny defense. Um, but I think, you know, this is just that point in the year where, you know, I think Ida Baker knows where they are. Um, you know, they're out of district title contention. You know, their playoff, you know, they're they're a long shot at this point. You know, they need to win out, but they will not do that. I'm going to take Dunbar. Then we got this potential trap game, in my opinion. Island Coast going to Estero. It seems like Island Coast is finally being able to put it together. Um, Darren Nelson seems to agree with me. Got, uh, was emailing him over the weekend. He thinks that you know they're finally starting to turn the corner. Can Island Coast actually maybe pick one off here from uh, from Astero and you know give him some trouble? Adam, what do you think? I think no. This is just too big of a, a game, too big of a story. You know, as a sports writer, we say we don't root for teams, we root for storylines. I want the coolest thing to happen. That would be the Wildcats winning a district title for the first time since Matt Prater was it with the team. Of course, NFL kicker Matt Prater, who until about four weeks ago owned the record for the longest field goal in NFL history. He's an Estero graduate. He was there in 2001, as well as my friend Mike Bodie, who does not listen to this podcast, but shout out Bodie. Estero wins by, I don't know, 80 points. 80. Yeah, 80. That's right. I said I want the biggest storyline ever. The best storyline is Estero putting up 80 points. And so you, you realize you the last big storyline was 2007, 91. <laughs> well, that was 2008, <laughs> but yes. Okay, so then Astero puts up 92 points. So That's a, which team did you pick? Astero. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't talk, sure talk where about, that was going. T- talk, talk about a hot take, 92 <laughs> points. All right. Uh, I'm going to take Astero. I'm not full-throated um, just because Astero has had some letdown games. Northport, uh, Golden Gate, Cape Coral, these are our losses – especially with the number of points they're putting up. So um, if Island Coast pulls it off, I'm not going to be fully surprised, but I'm going to take Estero just because they are uh, those offensive players are, are getting it done right now. Looks like, you know, they're 5-3 and three now. They're in good shape, you know, without question. I think that duo that Adam's been referring to, you know, Agenor and, and Duclona, I think they're a little too much. You know, I think Kelton Henderson and Dakari Allen and Jake Muller can surely keep them in this game. Um, I think it'll be a lot closer than what Mr. Fisher thinks, and I think <laughs> it'll be a lot closer than what, you know, the average person thinks. You know, you see one in five or one in six, you think you're going to write them off immediately. I do not think that's the case, but I do think Astero escapes here. You know, they've, tend- they've tended to falter in these, you know, so-and-so, you know, so-called trap games. No, I mean, the Cape game, they were on short rest. You know, that Northport game, looking back, you know, that was a little bit of a disappointing loss for them. But I think Estero, you know, now that we're later in the year, I think they've matured. I think they've grown. I think they do get this win. Next up, we got, you know, a long-time rivalry between, you know, a, a staple in the area and a newcomer to this uh, to the sports scene in southwest Florida, Fort Myers going up to Charlotte, uh, Sirianni versus Wade Taylor. Um, you know, Sh- Fort Myers really shut Charlotte down last year, winning 21-9, to only 79 yards on the ground for the Tarpons. That surely won't be the case this time. Dustin, can Fort Myers continue this win streak they've got? 
This is a really tough one to call, uh, but I think I'm going to go with the green wave here uh, just because I think they are a little more well-rounded than Charlotte. Charlotte, incredible defense. Both these teams kind of struggled a little bit with Cape Coral, which, you know, credit to, to Cape there. It's the offense of Charlotte that I'm not completely convinced of. And, you know, that Fort Myers offense as well has some question marks that kind of come in spurts. They are making plays. So uh, I like Fort Myers a little bit in that one. Could Adam, be close. Can Charlotte... Can Charlotte win this one at home? I mean, they've they've had stretches. You know, they've been able to put up yards, but it seems like they're super one-dimensional right now. Keon Jones went 0 for 7 against Lehigh, and he threw three picks last week against Cape. I think it's a very close game, but I'm going to give the advantage to the team playing at home. Charlotte playing in the aquarium. Of course, that's the nickname that we gave their field last year. I think they called it the fish tank, which sounds dumb to me. So I think it's called the aquarium. That sounds much cooler. I will take the Tarpons in the aquarium to win by four. I'm going to side with Dustin on this one. I I just feel as if Fort Myers is finally getting to where they need to be. Just having seen this team, you know, last week and having seen them earlier in the year, you know, they're not as vulnerable on defense as they were. You know, they're doing a much better job at stopping opposing offenses. I think, you know, their defense is going to end up winning this one, I, in part because I think that Charlotte's not a complete team. You know, they're going to be pounding the football like nobody's business. They're going to run the ball 40 to 50 times. Um, I think, you know, it's very hard for Wade Taylor to trust his quarterback right now, and for good reason. They have they don't really seem to have that figured out. And, you know, bigger question, if they go, do they go with someone else this week? Do they surprise Fort Myers and, you know, go with a backup and, you know, possibly experiment there? Um, but, you know, pretty much a must win for both sides if, know playoff they want to play into November and I think uh, Fort Myers you know just having you know Sam Sirianni as the head coach um, I think that they can get this one done next up the battle of the two leading rushers it's Booker versus Young Palmetto Ridge going up to Lehigh Lehigh looking for quote-unquote I guess back-to-back district titles because there were none awarded last year Palmetto Ridge trying to stay afloat, trying to get back above 500. They need to win this game to do that. Who prevails here, Adam? Well, I think the question is who has the most rushing yards. I'm going to say Richard Young goes for 203 rushing yards. Jaden Booker is held to 181 rushing yards. Ergo, Lehigh wins at home. It's crazy you say held to 181 yards. It just, just goes to show you how talented... You know, Jaden Booker is. I really see potential in this Lehigh team. You know, this is one of the better teams they've had in a while. Just looking at it from here, looks like that they're going to be a 7-2 and two team. They haven't had that impressive of a season in quite a while. Um, you have to go back a long ways. Um, but Richard Young, you know, 1,235 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. You know, safe to say he's probably, you know, one of our one of our potential picks for Offensive Player of the Year, but also on the defensive side, Tyree Cunningham. We didn't really mention him in the middle of the year in our midseason awards. Our mistake, uh, because he's got 95 tackles, which leads the area. Jeez Louise. 65 tackles for law, or 16 tackles for loss, excuse me. 65 tackles for loss. I would loss like would to talk absurd. to Lehigh statisticians. 95 tackles in seven games. I, I got to throw some data on that. I'm sorry. Sorry, Lightning fans. Uh, but, yeah, he's got six sacks, 12 quarterback hurries, and, um, you know, he's also – He's got one of the fumble recoveries. James Chaney told us at the beginning of the year he thinks Tyree Cunningham is probably one of the best linebackers in the area, if not the best. Um, he's making a lot of strides, had 24 tackles against Northport. Um, I think 
you know, they're going to have to tackle Jaden Booker in space. That's just, that's a given. Um, and Lehigh's a very good tackling team. I'm going to take Lehigh here. Um, I do think Richard Young eclipses 200 against that Palmetto Ridge defense who has been very suspect this year and he maintains the rushing lead. So my prediction is uh, it's not about Booker, it's not about Young, it's about that Lehigh defense and the fact that, you know, they're just not giving up points. 55 points against all season and 22 was first week against North Fort Myers. It's really an impressive unit and I think they will do a better job containing Booker than vice versa against Young. Yeah, one thing that, you know, we we kind of miss is that that 14-2 Riverview game kind of you know, that was the last loss they had. But, I mean, only allowing 14 points to that 8A team when they've had some games this year that are, you know, they're a high-powered offense. They put up, you know, they put up 22 points, 20 points, 27, 35, and 42 in their last five games. Um, aside from that, aside from that week one loss to Seminole, uh, Sanford Seminole, you know, Lehigh looks really good against that team. Um, so, you know, that's just one of those other nuggets. But yes, back to our game of the week. Sorry about that little miscommunication there. South Fort Myers going to Naples. If you've been around the area for a while, you know how uh, intense these games were in the early 2010s when Sammy Watkins and Dallas Crawford were on the Wolfpack. Uh, that 20, I think it was 2011. Correct me if I'm wrong. In that game, that the playoff 20, game, that, that 28-21 that game, was 2010. Yes. 2010. You know that was a, one of the classics. Um, it seems like we might be in. You know, in shape, in position for one of those again, but we'll start with the Collier County reporter, Mr. Fisher. You know, can Naples win, and if so, you know, by how much are you thinking? Well, as I mentioned, the the two numbers you need to know: Naples has won ten straight district titles. They've won thirty nine straight district games. They're at home. I just I, I don't pick against Naples at home. You guys know I'm a humongous Naples homer, and I'm going to stick with it. I think they win comfortably. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be running clock, but I think they win by three touchdowns. How about you, Dusty? I am also going to go with Naples uh, South. Uh, there's questions whether or not uh, Duncan Smith, uh, their quarterback, is going to be healthy for the game. Uh, they had a 28-18 win against Eastley. Credit to Eastley for, for fighting and forcing a lot of turnovers in that one. But uh, Na- Naples, their, their scores are undeniable. I think uh, the South defense is, is going to put up a fight, but uh, I think uh, Naples is going to get the job done here. Just from a pick seg- uh, just from a pick standpoint, it's very hard for me to pick against South or pick against Naples. Rather, um, you know, I could very very well pick South in this one. I just I really like what they've had to offer the past few weeks against some really tough competition. Um, I do think this will be closer than what people expect. You know, South can actually force turnovers. They have nine forced fumbles and nine fumble recoveries this year. That is one of Naples' Achilles' heels. If you, you know, look back in the big games, you know, they they fumble. They can't take care of the ball. They need to do that against South. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Golden Eagles at home to capture the 6A-14 championship. Well, awesome. That was fun. Some exciting games, of course. Stay with us, naplesnews.com slash sports, news-press.com slash sports for the live scoreboard on Friday nights. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, where you will get all those updates and come back next week to see who's district champs, who's nots. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games.